0: Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 103. What is God like? Maybe this question has come up in the back of your mind while reading your Bible or praying. And although we don't know everything there is to know about God, we do know some things. And today we'll see some of the things about God that we can be confident in.
1: A six-year-old girl was drawing a picture one day. A teacher said, What are you drawing? The little girl answered, Drawing a picture of God. The teacher was surprised and said, but nobody knows what God looks like. The little girl carried on drawing and replied, they will in a minute. One of the advantages of reading through the Bible in a year is that we get a rounded picture of the nature and character of God and a greater understanding of what God is like.
0: From Psalm 45 Your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. King Jesus. The writer
1: of Hebrews sees this psalm as a prophetic description of Jesus. He writes, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. This is one of the clearest cases in the New Testament of Jesus being addressed as God, as the legitimate object of worship. Jesus is the fulfillment of the expected anointed king known as the Messiah. Jesus fulfills these prophecies. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He is anointed with grace. We see in these verses hints of the whole Trinity. God the Father, God your God, Jesus the Son, your throne, O God, and the Holy Spirit, the oil of joy. Jesus, my King, in your majesty, ride forth victoriously on behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand display awesome deeds.
0: So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
1: Loving father. God loves you passionately, wholeheartedly, and unconditionally. However much you may have messed up in your life, whatever your regrets, it's never too late to turn to God. He will accept you and embrace you as a loving father embraces a lost child. Jesus shocked and offended the religious leaders. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends their grumbling triggered this story jesus then tells three parables to show that god cares desperately about the lost if you've ever lost anything of value search frantically and then found it you'll remember your joy when you found what was lost jesus says that that joy pales into insignificance compared to the joy of heaven the story of the lost sheep shows there's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. The story of the lost coin shows the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Then, in probably the greatest short story ever told, Jesus gives us another astonishing revelation of what God is like, a loving Father. The younger son requests his inheritance while the father is still alive and in good health. In traditional Middle Eastern culture, this is equivalent to saying, Father, I'm eager for you to die. A traditional Middle Eastern father would drive him out of the house. It's an outrageous request, which a father is expected to refuse. But in an act of extraordinary love, the father breaks tradition and gives his son the freedom to sell his portion of the estate which would have brought shame on the family before the entire community. The son turned it into cash. Then he set off and left the town as quickly as possible. So many people today, myself included, have experienced what the younger son found while away from his father. He was wasting his life, squandered his wealth in wild living. He began to hurt. He was enslaved. He felt empty inside. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. He felt alone in this world. No one gave him anything. Turning to God is not an irrational act. It's the opposite. He came to his senses. The son realized that he needed help. He decided to swallow his pride and go back to his father. He knew that he needed to go home. He was prepared to admit his sin. He planned to say to his father, I have sinned. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. We need to take a step of faith. So he got up and went to his father. He did not know what would happen. At the time of Jesus, a Jewish boy who lost the family inheritance to Gentiles would be punished by his village and they would have nothing to do with the wayward son. God's love is extraordinary and goes beyond anything you could ever expect or imagine. Rather than the disgrace we deserve, we receive forgiveness and love. While the boy was still a long way off, the father saw him. It appears that the father had been waiting and watching. He'd never forgotten his son. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him and kissed him. The word used implied that he kissed him over and over again. This is how God receives you. As you begin your prepared speech of repentance, the father interrupts. He treats you as an honored guest, giving you the best robe. He gives you a sign of confidence by putting the family ring on your finger. He puts sandals, reserved not for slaves but for sons, on your feet. He plans a lavish celebration party. We get a glimpse here of what God is like and how much He loves us. Again, we see the picture of the kingdom of heaven being like a party. This is the opposite of what many people think. They do not associate God. With music and dancing, feasting and celebrating, God's love extends also to the older son, who goes into an angry sulk and is begrudging of his brother's forgiveness and acceptance. You can imagine the father putting his arm round him and saying, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that's mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost. And he's found! The story, told to the religious leaders, ends on a cliffhanger. How will the elder son respond to the father's love? Father, thank you that you love me so much. And when I mess up, you don't reject me. The moment I repent and come back to you, you accept me and say, Let's have a feast and celebrate. Old Testament from Deuteronomy 19 and 20
0: One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offence they may have committed. Holy
1: Judge It is vital to read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. We cannot simply apply the laws of the Old Testament to our society today, nor can we take the concept of the Holy War and turn it into a crusade. What we see throughout the Bible is that God is a holy God, and a God of justice. Some of the principles of the legal system of ancient Israel were specific to the time. Others are more generally applicable. Murder is clearly a more serious crime than manslaughter. Good evidence is required before anyone is convicted of a crime. Perjury is a very serious offence. Retribution should be deserved and proportionate. A secondary purpose of imposing a just retribution is deterrence. But not everything in ancient Israel is applicable to us. In Jesus Christ, a new way has been established. The wrath of God that broke out upon the offender in the community has been visited once and for all upon the righteous representative, the Son of Man. We cannot accept Israel as a model for our study of the punishment of crime. As former Oxford professor of theology, Professor Oliver O'Donovan writes, not because it would be illiberal, but because it would be unchristian to do so. Israel, in the strong sense in which it is claimed to be God's unique dwelling place on earth, has been superseded in Christ. For example, when Jesus quoted from this passage, he said, You have heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. Lord, thank you that you are the God of love, justice and truth. Thank you that you reveal yourself to me as I study your word and spend time in your presence. Pepper adds, Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories about a sheep, a coin, and a son all being lost, and then the overwhelming joy of them being found. We lose things every day, usually keys, phones, glasses. I found my grandmother's ring, which I thought I'd lost, and I felt like the woman in the parable, overjoyed. I know too that once I was lost, and now I'm found.
0: Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are King Jesus. Thank you that you are a loving Father. And thank you that I can trust you to be a holy judge. Thank you that you love me passionately, wholeheartedly and unconditionally. Help me to realize this in my heart today. In Jesus' name, Amen.